We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Prince, also known as Head Knights, and this is our interview series. And I am with Heather Wixon of Daily Dead. I feel like you have to say it like, like very mean. <laughs> you like you can't just be like, oh, it's Daily Dead. You're right. It's just like Daily Happy Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change. I'm going to petition you? my boss. Good. I'm going to tell him we're going to change our name to Daily Happy Dead now. <laughs> <laughs> as you should. As you should. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This is honestly, honestly, like kind of a bit of a dream come true for me. I know we're friends and all that shit now, what? but like literally years ago, I would follow your work for like a solid 10 years. Um, That's crazy. Do I don't even follow my work. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you do great shit. You do really a lot of cool stuff and um, I appreciate your work and you've been a huge inspiration to me wanting to honestly make a mold in the industry for horror. So thank you. And welcome on to the show. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. I'm now I'm all me gushing all over you. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> People saying nice things to me. I never know what to say. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but I, mean, I think there's I think uh, there's some therapy there or something. Um, but no, thank you. I, that means a lot. And, you know, honestly, it's so funny because like I've been doing this now for almost 15 years. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's like I, I look at like what I wanted what I just initially set out to do when I first started as opposed to what I've been able to do and what I'm still doing and what I'm getting to do. And like, I'm, I'm really happy. Like, I, I feel like, okay, cool. Like if it all went away tomorrow, I don't feel like I would have you wasted your time. No, like I would have felt like it was all worth it. But I think for me, what's like kind of cool um, is that now because I'm sort of been here, I've been hanging around the halls quite a while now and I'm getting to see like a lot of new talent come in. And at first, yeah. it's a little scary when you're older. It kind of reminds me of, like, um, all the people who are working um, on Jurassic Park as special effects guys. And then they saw the cool, you know, computer dinosaurs. And they're like, oh, well, there we go. Um, so there's, like, a little part of me that's like, oh, and I'm seeing all these, like, um, this amazing work from all these new uh, emerging voices in our community. And I'm just like, oh, boy, I am in trouble. Um, but <laughs> actually, for me, it, it then becomes really exciting because I know, like... I care about this stuff and I care about yeah. having good things out there for horror fans. So I'm like, so yeah, if I, if I walked away tomorrow, you know what? Everything is in really good hands. We've got great podcasts like yourself. We've got oh, fantastic you. writers. Like it's just, it's really kind of exciting because it wasn't like this when I first got into it. It was pretty insular. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a much different sort of vibes, if you will. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm like in my forties, but I'm, I, I'm all about the vibing. <laughs> so, <laughs> all about the vibes. <laughs> all about the good vibes. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was such a different, a different experience that I'm like, I'm really glad that everybody coming into it now 
has more opportunities because there really weren't yeah. a whole lot back then. Back in my day, kids. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's actually interesting <laughs> you even say that because I feel like when I got into the industry, it, it definitely it it. it I don't want to say it, it was off off from a fluke because like it, I definitely did work hard to get here. But um, when I got into the industry, like I I didn't expect for all of this to even happen. I was just like, oh shit! Like whoa, plenty disgusting hit me up, and they want me to be on their podcast network, and and then people like like yourself started following me and and, and stuff like that. And I was like, what is what is what is going on? Like what is <laughs> happening? Why are people noticing me? Um, because last year, like and. and I, I, some of my listeners may know this, but, um, last year, like, you know, we were in a rough spot with this show. Like we almost like, we're kind of, we were happy with the show, but we weren't going to like end it or anything, but we were in a spot where we were just like, what do we do when we're only maintaining 30, 40 listeners, a, a, a episode, yeah. like what, what do we do? And, um, we didn't really have an answer. We didn't know how to really market ourselves at the time. And, and this is just last year, you know, and, and we didn't know how to how to really be outspoken and things like that. And all of us like were around maybe 200 followers on Twitter at that time and stuff like that. And most of those people were like people we actually knew personally and worked with and things like that. So we didn't know how to really truly get our name out there. And then uh, the whole thing. Sh- fucking shit show of what happened in June with police brutality and, and all of these wrongful deaths and things like that um, in the black community is kind of what sparked this uh, this push in myself to really get out there and really like try to make my voice actually I guess make make its way around yeah. and um, then Blade of Custom released that tweet and now here I am talking to Heather Wixon. <laughs> a year later, Silver Bolo, all kinds of stuff, yeah, you know? Bolo. Yeah, it's nuts. It, it's absolutely insane. But this isn't about me. This is definitely about you. Oh, we can make Heather. it about you. That's cool, too. That's <laughs> I'll cool be in too. there. I'll sprinkle myself in there every now and then. I'm a generous guest. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but I, I am curious. Uh, what What pretty much sparked your interest in horror? You know, when I grew up, is again, I'm sounding like I'm telling like these old lady tales. Um, so when <laughs> I, but I grew up in the '80s, and my mom was a single mom. So back then, like getting babysitters were expensive. So yeah. she just took me to movies, and oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so like I was in a theater at age three watching American Werewolf in London. Um, Whoa, which is weird because that's actually kind of one of my first movie memories. So, really? yeah, because it was, I remember, and it's funny, I still remember this because it was my mom and her best friend, who's my auntie, and then me. And we were sitting there, and I remember looking and seeing the movie theater scene on a big screen, but I was confused because we were sitting in a movie theater. So, th- but there's something I s- just remember about that so well. And I also remember my aunt who, like, I-, I love her to death, but she's so not a horror person. And I remember sure. she looked at my mom and she's like, oh, I think Heather is getting scared. I'm going to take her to the lobby. And I remember playing Pac-Man afterwards, like her taking me out and us playing Pac-Man while my mom finished the movie. But, like, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was a such a different time where, you know, people weren't really regulating a lot of what their kids were watching, especially, like, right. in that golden age of VHS. So, like, I saw The Thing at age five. 
which is fuck. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I was terrified of dogs, especially because like I had a neighbor who had a really mean dog who actually like bit me twice. Um, yeah. And he was like that kind of dog. And he got like one day he got loose and like literally like ran right into our yard as I was playing. And like, that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, between, you know, the thing and Cujo, I was like, no dogs. Now I have two dogs. Go figure. Um, (laughs) But, like, I remember, like, seeing that, like, age five, and, like, my best friend's parents were really into, like, sci-fi. So that's where I saw, like, a lot of sci-fi stuff, like Terminator when I was really young and um, Alien when I was way too young. And I remember that movie messed me up um, big time when I was little. And then it was, like, also in that day and age, it was still sort of the end of the golden days of drive-ins. and. Again, with my mom having sort of a limited budget, like we would, especially in the summer, we would spend a lot of time at the drive-in because you could, you know, go see two movies for five bucks. Right. You know, and so, you know, we would go, my best friend and her parents would come and like, you know, just be like this fun little thing. We would do a lot of like, I think I spent almost every 4th of July at the drive-in for like a good six years. That's so cool. Yeah, it was different. Like you could grill there. Everybody's like yeah. kids are running around. Um, I remember awesome. one of my favorite double features was Aliens and the Fly. Oh wow! Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, oh. But yeah, so it was just kind of like sort of this natural osmosis because it was just stuff my mom was watching, um, and I would just be there. You know, and then as like as it like I would start to have a voice at the video store and be like, Oh, what do you want to rent? And then I sort of became obsessed um with this movie called Terror in the Isles, which Scream Factory just put out by itself. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and but for so long it either, you know, you had to have the VHS of it, because I didn't I never had a proper DVD release. Yeah. Um, or you had to have the the original universal version of Halloween two, because that was a special feature. Right. So not that I own three copies of it just in case, but I do. (laughs) Um, But it became like, that was like my, sort of my go-to movie when I was a kid, because like I I would see all these different movies and then I would look at the cover and it had like all the names in the skull and I would like pick out the titles and like we, we would just be renting movies all the time. Like I'll tell you, uh, renting Suspiria at age eight is pretty traumatic. And I like my oh. my best friend like would still to this day rem- remind me of that. How so, did that you, opening scene not like scar you for life as an eight year old? You know, the, honestly, the worst scene for me was the razor wire scene. I don't know why. Seeing Fair her enough. Helpless in that <laughs> room because almost it's it's because like the, that opening like that opening death of of Suspiria is almost like too fantastical in a way. Like you almost can't believe what you're seeing. That's fair. But I mean, it's still effective and it's still perfect and I love it, but it still feels like, whoa, that's like, that's bananas. But like the girl just accidentally falling into the room of razor wire. First of all, I don't know why you need a room of razor wire. It seems like (laughs) pretty poor design, but for some reason it always haunted me. Like that was, that was it. And then her with the needles in her eyes. It was so effective that it got, it's been used in uh, so many other films ever since Saw. Like it's just like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's such an effective way to jar your audience because that is like the the concept in your head. We're just like, why is there a room full of razors? (laughs) Yeah. Like that's just, you know, that's, that's not exactly, uh, a place you want to hang out. So, right. It kind of reminds me of like the Winchester house. Yeah. In San Jose. <laughs> like, it's just like, 
It's like, why do you have a room that goes to literally nowhere? Like, yeah. that's interesting. Mm. <laughs> I used to work very close to there. I used to work at an Ikea that was um, around there. And then oh, I used okay. to actually work close to the mall that was even closer. Um, but there'd always be weird shit happening in our Ikea that I used to work at. Uh, terrible place to work, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> Great meatballs, um, terrible benefits. Yeah, those meatballs get old real fast. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I would imagine so. Yeah. The cinnamon rolls never got old, though. Those were great. <laughs> um, but it would always be like weird shit that would go on, and we would always just blame it on the Winchester house. We were just like, because mm, of the Winchester. It wasn't even that <laughs> close. It was just like you can maybe drive another 25 minutes or something that you're there. But yeah, <laughs> blame the Winchester house for everything. I, I don't guess. blame you. <laughs> yeah, I do not blame you. Um, but yeah, so like it was just sort of just it, it just sort of started there. And I think it really hooked me um, with the first like Nightmare on Elm Street because it was like I, there was because I saw Nightmare on Elm Street before I ever saw Halloween. So oh, okay. to me, like Freddy was sort of my original boogeyman. And there was just something like that terrified me about him. But I also like couldn't stop watching either. So, and I had friends who like wouldn't come and play at my play like at my my house. I shouldn't say house because we grew up in Trailer Park, but over like where I lived because I had a Freddy poster in my room and it scared the crap out of everybody. So, Wait, people, so how old were you when you had that Freddy poster? I got I got that one at like I want to say I was like nine. Oh fuck! Yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. had like a fucking poster of Shamu when I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had, and this one's aged poorly, but over my bed, I had Hulk Hogan. Um, so sure. That, that's aged poorly, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then I it's like, I, over my bed was Hulk Hogan, and the other wall was Freddy. And then around my closet as I got older, especially when Lost Boys hit, I had a whole wall of the Corys. Because, like, there used to be, like, those, as like, teen does. magazines. And I, like, pull out all the little, like, one-sheet posters and just, like, basically plaster them around, like, one whole wall. So I had a, I had a wall it. of Corys, too. That's awesome. I'm glad your mom just let you express yourself, too. Yeah, you rad. know, she was like, what are you going to do? Sorry about that, folks. We got a little cut off from some technical difficulties on my end. My bad. Um, but Heather, as you were. <laughs> yes, the ghost of Winchester that came for him, everybody. Oh, please. That's scary. <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> if your lights go well, out next, like you're in trouble. Well, just, we just, should just, just call it after that. It. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all that's that, no you don't need we that, don't need that. um but he, yeah so yeah i just kind of always kind of grew up loving it um i was the kid who was like every time you have a sleepover like you know you'd always bring like a movie to your friend's house to watch and i was always like bringing either like fright night or uh oh, sleepaway camp, um which got me in trouble a few times <laughs> you were just like oh we're watching what i want to watch tonight <laughs> you know and it's funny like because like for me like sleepaway camp like i just was like so mesmerized by that movie as a kid because I mean there was just things that it obviously you just never I mean, really saw fair. before in yeah, a lot yeah. of ways. And the ending is so mind blowing that you just want to share that with your friends. But then like I remember I was at a friend's house and their dad walked in oh, right as the no. ending happened. <laughs> yeah. And I got a very you got a stern I got a, talking I got to pulled aside and got a talking to Damn. I did. I mean it's I it's all and, out. Uh, <laughs> But here's the thing, I didn't even realize like what sure. the problem was yeah. because I was a kid. How could you? So I was just like, well, you know, Angela's just yeah. different. That's all. Like it didn't even dawn on me that there was quote unquote something wrong with right. it. It was just different. 
you know, and I don't know. So that was just like, I guess I was an inadvertent troublemaker. Like I'm <laughs> so, just out here trying to share horror movies with people. <laughs> right. To share well, the horror love. And, you know, I mean, the, it, it, so, also granted the eighties was a beautiful time for horror, but at the same time it was very taboo as well. Right. Like, I mean, we had so much yeah, shit going on. Had, like Reagan's family right. values. Reagan's stuff, family values, yeah. satanic panic. Like it was just, it was so much going on during that time frame. So you're just like, yeah, pick and choose in battles, I guess, in a way. Like, like, who can I share this with? I like, I love it, and I want to share it. But who's not a fucking prude? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's so. awesome, though. Like that you, you know, you started at an extremely young age, and at the same time, and it's funny because, like, I feel like that is like the go-to answer for most horror fans. It's like. Watched it when I was four or five and things like that. Um, and I, it's actually, I've only met one person so far that I know who watched it at like the appropriate age. And it was like, they were like 18, 19. That's and it was so strange. odd to me too. I was like, I was like, wait, so like, what, did you just try to stay away from it? You're like, no, my parents just wouldn't let me. I was like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> And like you, you listened to them. <laughs> and you were a good like, kid. Oh, uh, so I was. You know, it kind of catches me off guard when people say something like that. But um, that's so cool that your mom was just kind of just like, you know, what can you do? Heather's going to be Heather. She's going to like what she likes, and that's awesome um, that she allowed that. Um, so, with your fascination with horror at such a young age, and fast forward to I guess now. Um, what kind of got you interested in wanting to write for horror and, and write about the genre? What what was that that kind of came to your mind, especially at the point of when there weren't many writers in horror at the time when you pretty much started? Like you damn near for sure kind of paved the way for a lot of people. <laughs> I, I, well, I, would. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> um, but I, I, I no, I, I, it, the thing is, well, it was sort of this weird, perfect storm sure. in my life. Um, cause it's funny. Cause like now I'm like, you know, I live in LA and we live in an apartment and it's sort of like this, this month to month existence. Um, but that really wasn't like my life, uh, when I was in my twenties and I got married very young. Um, like the year after my ex like graduated college. Cause I actually didn't get to finish school the proper way. I kind of was already working like a full-time job and I was already making like really good money. And I was like, well, you know, why am I going to sure. put myself through this when I'm, I, when I'm already doing what I'm doing, but I always knew something was like off and I just kind of put it to the side because I was kind of just doing all the things that like people were sort of expecting me to do. Like, you know, right. you get married, you buy a house and you do all these things. Basic life standards. And, then, and I'm not saying those are, yeah, you know, and it just kind of keeps escalating and escalating as you get older and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, I go from a townhouse to a house house. And then, and then it was like, oh, we have a house, but now we're going to build a house. And it was like right before like like the, the real estate yeah. thing collapsed. And it was just like a really interesting time because I just I, – I felt really lost because I was doing all these things that everybody else wanted me to do. But I wasn't doing anything that I wanted to be right. doing. And so I started just kind of doing like – part-time writing in general for like newspapers because I didn't really know what else to do with it. I'd always, I'd always been a writer, like even in elementary school, like myself and a couple of my classmates, we actually petitioned our elementary school to start oh, a school wow. paper. Did it work? 
Yeah. When I was in, yeah. And when I was in like fourth grade and it worked and I think they still have it too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But that was like our doing. And I remember my friend, Anne um, was the one who like, she picked the title and I just remember because like our school is Admiral Richard E. Bird school. Cause it was like for the uh, guy who went up to like Antarctica mm-hmm. or whatever. And so our, our newspaper name was a little bird told me. That's so cute. <laughs> so I know. Right. She was really smart too. She also like, we had like something with NASA with like a naming contest back in the day. Cause this is like yeah. challenger era. And, like, somehow she ended up getting to name, like, the mascot that they brought onto, like, oh, one of the fuck. shuttles. It's crazy. Oh, she's really wow. good. Kudos. Um, and now she's, like, works for the oh, Supreme shit. Court. Yeah. Damn, that's, anyway. That's a cool yeah. story. <laughs> so cool. Good for her. I know. I know. She was, like, so 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 great at everything. Anyway, um, not that this is a show about her, but she's <laughs> awesome. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I just, I'd always been a writer. And I just kind of... At a certain point in my life, I became a realist. I was like, oh, I have bills to pay. I went away to school my first year of college. And after I came home, my mom was basically like, oh, oops, I can't pay for school anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. What am I going to so do? So I basically had to yeah. stay home. Yeah. And then was kind of just working jobs, trying to do like, you know, community college and stuff like that. But it just, it didn't, it wasn't working. And so I just kind of focused on having a job and then... Um, my boyfriend at the time, like we got married and stuff like that. Cause we went to high school and stuff together. And so we just built this life, but this life wasn't really my life. It was the life everybody else thought I should have. And it was just kind of like, I could feel it. Like I just, I just knew something was off and I didn't know what. And it was sort of, we- sort of a weird coincidence. Um, it was summer of 2007 and we'd always go to this, uh, convention in Chicago called flashback weekend. And I actually go back there now and co-host, which oh, is kind of cool. fun. It's kind of a fun thing because I used to go as a fan. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of come full circle in that way. And I was sitting there and it was the year that Adam Green was there promoting. Oh, Hatchet. shit. That's awesome. And yes. So it was like in that was like I was sitting in the audience and he's telling this really inspirational story about Dee Snyder um, and how Dee was like really instrumental in like, you know, helping him get his, you know, push him to like, you know, make his movie and get out there. And like D even showed up for like his first premiere and stuff like that. And it just made me realize like, you know, I have to go out and figure out what it is I want for myself. And I knew I liked writing. I knew I liked horror. I was like, well, how do I bring these together? And I kind of knew of like websites out there, but like to me, like, yeah, like it was still the age of like the Yahoo pages and, like Entertainment yeah. Weekly, like I wasn't as fully ingrained with like the horror sites p- specifically. Um, and I just happened to be looking on Craigslist and this was like maybe two weeks after Flashback. And I saw an ad for this uh, startup horror website called TerrorTube, which is no longer uh, in existence. Um, but they were looking for somebody to do reviews. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of fun. And I reached out. Um, and I'd been kind of doing a little freelance here and there for like these like music websites yeah. and stuff like that. Um, just enough to like show people I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Kind of like to make a portfolio uh, for yourself argue, in a way. Yeah, basically. Cause like, I mean, I don't even know if I know what I'm doing anymore, <laughs> but you know, maybe a little bit back then. Um, and I just kind of like reached out and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I remember my first review was for, um, the Invasion, which was the Nicole Kidman, Daniel Craig version of Invasion of, Bobby, oh, yeah. of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, yeah that was not it a was good a movie. Terrible <laughs> review. 
It wasn't a good movie, but the review was probably worse. I'll be very honest. Yeah. But it was out there, and I did it, right. and I was happy with that. Um, but I went back and read it a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Oh boy, this is." I was like, "Don't don't read the, don't read your early work. Never, never do that." <laughs> so that was yeah. a lesson learned. Um, but yeah, and so it just got me just got my foot in the door, and then as I kind of was just sort of doing my my thing for TerraTube, like I get more and more opportunities. Um, Adam Green actually introduced me to the publicists for Anchor Bay, which then sort of became my first nice. foot in the door, and I was able to start covering more of their movies, you know, whether it was their new movies or their classic movies, and it just kind of grew from there. And then I'd gone to Sundance in two thousand nine. Wow. Oh my God! There's a spider crawling in my bedroom oh, no. right now. Oh my gosh! I'm so sorry. I just caught it, and it's on yeah. the closet door. Holy crap! Okay. Anyway, I'm gonna finish my story and text SOS um, to my other half. While no he worries. This. Sorry, I, this is I, real life, folks. It's like a big <laughs> spider too. Oh. Do you have arachnophobia? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I love that movie, but I hate that movie. If that, <laughs> that makes, makes sense. total sense. That makes total yeah. total sense. <laughs> Like, I love it, but yeah, I also hate it. <laughs> my, I've been hearing about people getting spiders to kind of cure their arachnophobia. Um, I, uh-uh. Yeah, so far, my cousin has a tarantula, and she loves it. She loves her tarantula. And it for her, it worked. Like, it cured her arachnophobia. And she's like, I love my tarantula now. Like, she doesn't want animals at all. She just wants her tarantula. I'm just like, how long do they live? And That's she, I forgot how long she said, but I guess... She said something like five years or something like that, but um, which that sounded bananas to me in general. But she sent me a video once of like it shedding its skin. I was like, I don't, I don't want this. Molts. Oh, and it molts. There it is. I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want this on my phone. Yeah, yeah. When they molt, <laughs> like, like it, that was disgusting. <laughs> um, and it was, it was stuck to it, so it was like dragging its own body around. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, it looks kind of cool, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're nuts. gnarly. My actually, my mom's boyfriend when I was a kid actually had one. His name was Dirty Harry, and then they flushed oh, no. him when he died. Wait, was was your mom's ex boyfriend like, Dirty Harry or the? Oh, okay. No, no, he just really liked. To, Got it. Really okay, I was movie. like, all right. So I need the history of that name. <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, he when the, when Dirty Harry died, they flushed him, and I was like, I refused to use the bathroom for like three days. I went over to a friend's house because I was like, Don't nope, go to I'm Australia. not going to do it. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, no, no. I've seen enough pictures to know I am not welcome in Australia. <laughs> I lived there. Um, I lived there for like so anyway, three months. So, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You're so brave. <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. So um, back to non-spidery yeah. things. Um, so, yeah. So, like, I, you know, I just kind of realized, like, oh, I needed to... Yeah, I needed a, I needed a big change, and so I just kind of started reaching out to places. And then 2009, um, I ended up doing going to Sundance, and there's a lot of folks who kind of were like, "Oh, you know, Sundance is really expensive, and like, you know, you can't go if you don't get credentials." Um, I went without credentials my first year, like I didn't let that stop me. I just bought some tickets, and I was at the point where like my personal life was sort of falling apart at the same time as all this was happening, like I was starting to really get ingrained in my career, but like also everything at home was falling apart. And 
So I was in the middle of like going through a divorce. We had uh, two houses and this is kind of right in the middle of like the housing mm-hmm. crisis that essentially uh, went into foreclosure, which was kind of crazy. And then I was like, all right, I'm like, I want, I need to go to Sundance. I want to cover these movies. And so I just started selling a bunch of stuff, like just to kind of pay for everything. And once I had enough money, I got my airfare. I got a hotel out of like outside of Park City because it was cheaper rental car, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I went there for a couple of days and uh, just covered a bunch of movies. And then out of the blue, I got re- uh, was approached by Dread Central. And they were like, oh, hey, do you want to do some stuff for us? And I was like, oh, sure. Um, and the irony of that is that, and I can say it's not because that person's not there anymore, so it's, it's fine. But it's, the irony was that like four months prior, they had mentioned on, I think it was on Facebook, that they were looking for people to come write for them. And I emailed them about oh, it. I never funny. heard back. <laughs> that's funny. So, but I mean, but so for real, like Sundance ended, ended up sort of getting me wow. in the door, um, which I was really grateful for. And I did a bunch of stuff for them and I was still doing stuff for TerrorTube. And then like right around that time, I lost my day job in Chicago. And I think honestly, like the, the company itself, um, like they fired, they ended up like letting go like. Well, this is around 2009, you said? the following year. Oh, yeah, so it was... A, yeah, yeah it was so a, everything was re- going sideways. Well, I mean, yeah, bad recession for us, right? Yeah, so it was kind of one of these... I think my boss knew I wanted to be out in L.A. writing, doing, doing stuff. cool shit. And that I makes think sense. he was like, <laughs> yeah. And so he basically, I think he just realized, like, I was never just right. going to go do it. And because like he knew I went to Sundance and like like previous years I was going to Scream Fest out in L.A. in October and stuff like that. And I think he just realized like, well, she's going to stay here regardless. So I have to get her out the door. Um, and it's funny because like when they fired me, like they thought I was really going to be mad or whatever. And I didn't care. And I remember coming back like a few months later to have lunch with one of the ladies there. And they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like calm down i'm not here to like yeah. yell at anybody i'm just here to have like, lunch I, I, I don't I, care like i, I live in la now myself like relax <laughs> yeah you know so i'm like it's and I, I it's all good you guys paid me you know a bunch of money at the end that's fine um you know and i just kind of came out here and it's funny you know because everybody sort of there's like sort of this back and forth of like whether you know if you're passionate enough about this um because you have a day job and you know the thing is you got to pay your bills. That's the, like, that's the unfortunate. Yeah. You know, and the only reason I was able to move out here in the first place is because I came out here on vacation anyway and happened to land a job interview and got a job wow. working at a school. So, yeah. So I came out here and I had a job interview on like, I flew out on Tuesday. I had a job interview on Wednesday. And I think by like Saturday or Sunday, like I had to fly back home to Chicago to pack up in a week and basically yeah. move out here. Wow. So, you know, and it wasn't easy. Like there was a ton of struggles and I, it's one of those, I sacrificed a lot of things that a lot of people would be like, they think I was crazy, you know, for doing, you know, giving up sort of having that structure of like having the, the typical home life and all that kind of stuff. But I I just walked away from it because it wasn't, it wasn't right for me at that time. And the way it was, it wasn't right for myself or my partner. And I knew it and I knew we both had better things waiting for us out there, you know? And so, and so I just did it. And, and it's weird because like when I started, like there was maybe three other women doing this, you know? And so for me, like you say, like I paved the way, like for me, they paved my way. 
Um, because there's no way I would have been able to do this without like Yovanka, who used to work for Rue Morgue and she used to run Rue Morgue and now she's yeah. an amazing filmmaker. Stacey awesome. Wilson, you know, yeah, who also is a filmmaker and, you know, has been doing this a lot longer than I have. You know, so without women like that, like being out here, because it really, especially when I started, you know, pardon my French, um, but it really was a soft. Oh, fest. yeah. No, totally. Like, everything was just endless dudes everywhere like every horror related thing event yeah. anything it was 98 yeah. percent guys and i'm trying to just add a little bit more you blackness know. to it all <laughs> <laughs> i get i get you know you know what's interesting that you mentioned that too is um because you know i'm, I'm all about i really like representing like different voices and when i set out to do the book stuff i didn't want to do like you know talk to 80 yeah. different white guys right. from the Midwest, you know, cause that's the same thing. But you know, what's crazy. I I've been really trying to hunt it down. There have, there haven't really been any black special effects artists. Oh fuck. Yeah. You're right. I can't name. I can't. Yeah. I can't name any of them. And like, I was even thinking of like crews that I would run across, like when I was working in the industry and things like that. And I was like, no. Yeah. Like not a single huh. one. And that, that is, is a damn shame. That, that 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 yeah, that is a shame. That that's interesting. Yeah, I can't think of any. So that's why I always sort of apologize to people like I'm trying to be as diverse right. as possible, but for the time frame that I was I'm doing the books for like there were very yeah. few women. Most of the people yeah. working were white. So I'm trying to like pull from different countries and things like that. Um, but hard. it's tough. That's hard. You know? And it's, it, it's hard to crack that diversity. But I, I think what's amazing is when I look at where our community or our industry or whatever it is, where we were 10 years ago versus where we are now, like we're in such a better totally. place. Oh, yeah. Because it, it just isn't the same five guys yelling right. over each other about their <laughs> yeah. opinions. You it, know? It's interesting, too, because like I remember when I started kind of getting into – horror um, i guess beyond the the main scenes of horror um because i i didn't grow up in the greatest of neighborhoods so, you know i i grew up i i grew up in the hood it's just plain and simple as that and um and pretty much when i lived in san francisco i moved to fresno when i was like maybe in the sixth grade or so so i was maybe like 12 or 13 um and when I moved to Fresno, I was just moving from one hood to another. So I would just get a bunch of bootlegs from like my local bootleg guy at Walgreens. And he found out that I loved horror nice. movies. And I was just like, yeah, I love horror movies. And I don't, you know, I don't know where to find them. And he's the guy who told me about Bloody Disgusting and, and stuff like that. And um, I would have to sneak on Bloody Disgusting uh, because the name Bloody Disgusting it would always block at my schools and stuff like that. So I was just like <laughs> I would have to sneak and figure out ways to get on the website and then that's when I started finding out about like Rue Morgue and um, when I saw their magazines and uh, Fangoria, they were in their stint, I guess, at that point um, where they weren't around during that time. Um, but I knew about them because of like bloody disgusting and stuff like that. So I would have to sneak on those websites and I would, then I got the bootleg copy of VHS and I was like, Oh fuck. Like this is, this is the bloody disgusting made movie. <laughs> Holy shit. And like, I'm a super fan at this point of bloody disgusting. Like whatever they do, I'm eating it up. So like, I was like, Oh shit. Okay. So 
watched the hell out of VHS, really, really loved it. And then <laughs> when I got into like, I guess honestly, when I got into college is when I started learning more about like, I could totally buy this stuff. Like I didn't have to do any of this, what I was doing. Um, but it was how I was able to consume them. And when I would yeah. get these bootlegs, this is how I found out about Trick or Treat. This is how I found out about Let the Right One In, Martyrs, all those types of films in, in the uh, early 2000s to late 2000s. And I was just, because uh, like, I guess for me, how your era for horror is the 80s, mine's the thousands. Like I like the thousands is yeah. is where my horror persona truly shines, I guess. Um, but it's it's interesting because like i find it i find it funny when you actually <laughs> figure out ways to consume movies like most people have the stories of like oh i used to go to the video stores and i did that i did that too but i only went to the video stores to look at the covers like i never rented them from blockbuster or anything like that cuz my my grandmother and my aunt totally would not let me. Like they're just like, no, 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 you're not doing that. We're <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, so like Finding Nemo right, is over here. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I would I would be pretty bummed out because I was like, fuck, I really want to watch these movies. And like April Fool's Day, like I actually, which I barely watched for the first time like three years ago, and uh, but that particular cover always interest me like her braid being a noose and the knife behind her back walking yeah. towards the picnic i'm like that's fucking awesome like that looks so cool and i want to know more and then the dentist and stuff like that like i was just like all these covers were like how i got my fascination into wanting to watch it and it wasn't until like i started kind of getting my bootlegs and things like that is when I truly got into the genre and saw some gems, saw some really, really crude ones, obviously. But I think it was that um, I always blank out on the name because every person has, I feel like, these names. But it was like that that fear festival thing that was like showing at movies, the eight films to die for. Uh, after, oh, the yeah, after the dark After Dark movies? films. Um, so I would buy those because they never checked your 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 date of birth because you just bought them online so i would oh, buy those and have tickets to those at the actual movie theaters and at the time it was edwards theaters in fresno and um when i would go i would be the only person there and my grandma would take me she wouldn't she was just like all right like you know you're in you're into it now so she would take me to these movies and she would never go she would just drop me off and just like either go home and come back and pick me up and i'm like i'm in like the ninth grade maybe eighth grade at this time and like i would, I would just i would go every year every year i would go to these and i thought i was the fucking coolest person because i was like talking about all these unknown horror films and shit and generally my friends did not give a Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was some gem in those oh, yeah. after dark movies. Oh though. yeah, I mean, God, we got we got Butterfly Effect three in there, and and the deaths of Ian Stone, and like it, it you, you got some Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo was a part of those. So like, yeah, there's some some big old gems in there. Gotta love it. Yeah, gosh, that feels like such it a does. lifetime ago. It does. It really does. <laughs> it really, really does. But. I think I still have, like, from a couple of the festivals out here, like, because they would always do, like, a premiere in L.A. I think I have, like, they would always give away these clear what? backpacks. 
You got like swag and stuff and from I, that? I just took it. That's so cool. Yeah, and I actually think I tried to sell one on eBay once and nobody oh. would take it. So if I find oh, it, it's yours. God. I will send it to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I know we have I one in this die. house somewhere. Because actually we just we just cleaned our uh, out our car. Um, cause like I, I crashed our car oh. last year and, um, so we eventually sure. had to get a new one. And so we finally got, we finally junked the one that I crashed last year. We were fine. We were cleaning out the, the trunk like a couple months ago. And we actually, I think there's at least, there's at least one, if not two of those backpacks. <laughs> so I should find them. I didn't know that to be such hot commodities. We literally tried to sell one on eBay once and it like, it never got like, I think it got what? like one view oh. for like a month. Come on, so, people! That's that is that's history I right know. there. <laughs> You're passing up history. I know. Oh, that's incredible. So, but yeah, if I find it, oh, it's, well, it's well, all yours. You. That's awesome. I I, I really really yeah. appreciate that. Um, keeping things around the realms of your interest in horror, like what would you say are your typical favorite horror genres? And I know that's like a loaded question, but. Um, you don't have to rank them or anything, but what would you say is, is your like your typical go to horror genres? You know, I I tend to always gravitate towards horror comedies. Um, I just, I don't know why, but like I just I really there's just something about kind of watching a horror movie that you walk away with a smile on your it's face. A, it's a different feeling afterward. for sure. It is, and. You know, don't get me wrong. I like the, you know, I like the serious art house oppressive. You're not going to make movies it out just alive. As much as the rest of the person. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I like The Lodge, but it wouldn't be my go-to movie sure. to watch a lot. And I, and there's other people who who would, um, but I know what my gauge is. And so, like, in you know, I would say like horror comedies are probably up there. And then it's kind of a toss-up between like vampires and werewolves, which is such a basic thing oh, to I don't say. Think so? Um, which also probably. Yeah, but I think it also explains like why I I will always fervently uh, defend the underworld movies because mm. like what well, has that's both? Fair. How do I how do I hate yeah. these movies? That's that's you know? fair. That's very fair. I, so, I think I've only seen two of those. I, I don't think I, I've ever watched the last one. Which was the last? Unleashed? Is that the last one? No. Is that? Uh, Did I make no. that? <laughs> oh, you did. Although I would go see Underworld oh, yeah, that was like- Unleashed like in a. I was like, I totally made that up. Um, I think the last was the last on Blood Wars. I, I think it was. You might be right. I I'm not too sure. I'm looking it up right now though because now I'm genuinely curious. Oh, Blood Wars. Yes, it was. Oh, do you have the yes. trilogy? The, um, the essential well, collection I, is what it's called. It oh, the, the cover is fucking well, incredible, of- but it also comes with exclusive, never before seen underworld endless war anime shorts oh i have it never is available seen on those. amazon right now for 44 dollars and 90 cents oh see i just have the oh, regular shit, it's eight set we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh man, I can't believe I don't own that. Well, it's so strange. Yeah, I have like the regular movie set, but nothing, oh, nothing that fancy. Well, you know what? It, it's yours now. 
<laughs> yours now. I'm gonna have to watch. The, I'm gonna have to watch yeah, the anime movies. That's awesome. um, yeah, I actually once called them. Uh, I called the underworld movies like the Lord of the Rings of <laughs> werewolf movies or something like that. Somebody made me a really that's funny amazing. name for it. Um, yeah, so that was it was like my one claim to fame, like 2014. Um, taking it back. Um, but yeah, so I, I love creature features. Like it's just, I like sort of that otherworldly elements. Like, don't get me wrong. I love, you know, I can appreciate, you know, movies like Henry Portrait of Serial Killer and things like that. Um, but they're not my go-tos because I don't, I don't necessarily watch horror to feel bad. Like I watch it to get excited, you know, try to discover something new, either whether it's about like something that possibly couldn't exist in this world or it's about myself or just the human condition, but I don't really watch them to like, yeah. you're not trying to feel, feel bad, complete and utter, utter like hopelessness after watching a film. That's fair. Yeah. Cause like, I think the last movie that I saw that was kind of like, that was the lodge. And I was yeah. just like, Oh yeah. You ain't happy okay. after that one. <laughs> No, and actually, it's funny because I don't like nothing really scares me yeah. anymore when I watch movies. But it was like that was the first movie like in a really long time that like I actually had like sure. nightmares about because like I was at Sundance and I actually woke up and I thought somebody had duct taped my <sighs> mouth closed because I I felt like I couldn't breathe out of my mouth and I thought somebody like had actually duct taped my mouth and I woke oh, up fuck. like in a panic. I, I feel like yeah. Fiala so like and the Franz they they love duct tape. In their movies, they really love. They really do. <laughs> yeah, they 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 really do. And it's funny because I actually liked Good Li- mm-hmm. Good Night, Mommy, but maybe because it was like about you know terrible little kids that it's so far removed sure. from reality. But these are terrible older kids. I think the the lesson is is like kids are kids are dicks. Kill you, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're in so much trouble when yours is getting older. Oh boy. Um, uh. But yeah, like. You know, so it's like, I I just, I think there's, because there is, and it sounds, God, it sounds like such a cliche and sort of like protect my feelings, you know, sort of response to say like, oh, I, you know, there's so much terrible in the world. Why would I want to sure. see it in horror? And but there are horror movies that I watch that you get that feeling. But I, I think for me, like, I just like that idea of like watching something where like, you're like, oh yeah, I can't wait to watch that with somebody. Yeah. Like you don't want to ruin right. somebody's you, day, uh, like a party movie. movie, pretty much. Like, yeah, let, let's let's go and pop this one in. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and I love nonsense too. Like, I love nonsense movies, and I think that's why I love, um, like, a lot of giallo. Like, we can we can say how artful they are and how deeply, how deep thematically they can be, but like they a lot of them sense. are nonsense. Just like why why are no, you terrorizing no, that's this person? The fun of it. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so it's like as, as much as like a lot of them have something to say or, you know, they're they're exploring like these like sort of deep like folklore type things like, you know, other ones have orangutans killing people. <laughs> it's fine. You know, Giallo is such a so, Giallo is just a genre like <laughs> like it, it, if, if they told me it was Italian for the word random, I would believe them. Isn't it a color? Isn't it like mean yellow, right? It is. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Because yeah. most of the posters were yellow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was also like, they, they, I think they came from like the concept of like, oh, pulp. sure. And back then, I think like pulp books in Italy were also yellow, col- uh, colored right. yellow as well. Yeah. I, th- I think it's that something like that. That makes a lot of sense. And I know like 
at the time, so. they didn't really consider their films horror. They was just like murder mysteries kind of thing. Like, so. Yeah. Which I, I love murder mysteries. So thank you, Stephen <laughs> King, for that. So that's like another thing that I will always I, love. And I think that's what I, I get out of I very, jelly. very much attest that Scooby-Doo is what gave me a fascination to true crime. <laughs> like, it's just, I always want to know who did it. Tell me who did it right now. And, <laughs> and how why do they would do they, why do would they even like, do this? What's wrong with them? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's super interesting. Um, and I actually like the fact that you said vampires and, and werewolves because even though people have their, sh- their fair shares of universal monsters that they really enjoy, um, they don't really say those. To be completely honest, like on my show, at least I, I can't speak for everybody else, but on my yeah. show, they, it, that never is like a go to. I think I've gotten vampire and that's it. No one's ever said mummy, but, you know, we need a good mummy movie back. Like we I, I, it's we do. It's, it's been it's way been too long. long. Tom Cruise didn't do it for me. <laughs> so it's been way too long. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to another mummy movie, which I know Disney is actually making a new one. They're making a new under wraps movie. So, yeah. Oh, really? I, I'm so stoked oh, that's about fun. that. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like we need a new mummy movie. Um, hopefully soon. But uh, it's interesting. It, it, ugh, it's interesting that you say that. Um do you like more unorthodox like uh, vampire flicks and werewolf flicks, or do you just like on the nose like, wow, that person's turned into a va- to a vampire right now, or that person's totally gonna be a werewolf or something like that? Like, I'm, I'm just curious. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I, it's, I mean, I think I, there's a part of me that will always prefer okay. traditional because it's what I grew up with, but. Especially in the realm of vampires, we've gotten so many unusual so many out of the box. I mean, Kronos being one, like, take, gosh. Yeah, like even like oh, Bliss yeah. or um, The Transfiguration oh, is another speaking one. Speaking my language. <laughs> yeah, so like for me, like I will always, you know, I, I always appreciate the, the classic, you know, guy with a cape. Sorry about that, everybody. The woes of recording on the internet. It happened yet again <laughs> to us. Uh, we're st- still working out what app is going to work best for the show when it comes to these types of things. But um, sorry, thank you for bearing with us. I mean, you know what? It's funny that I even say that I say thank you for bearing with us. Now I'm rambling, but you don't even notice. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Heather, <laughs> you're talking about vampires. <laughs> I was talking about vampires. Um, but yeah, so I think. You know, for me, like growing up, like I love the traditional, you know, classic vampires, you know, but I think there's something to be said for whenever you can bring something new to the table um, with how you you can frame your your classic monsters. And, you know, so we we talked about a little bit, you know, with Bliss or the Transfiguration, like that kind of stuff. There was there was one that was um, I want to say like 2010 or 11. It was called like Midnight Sun was another one. Yeah. I remember that one. And uh, there's also, um, you know, in terms of just classic movie monsters, like there was this movie called The Revenant that came out. And it wasn't the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. Um, but it had David Anders in it, who was on Alias. And I think it came out like, I remember it played Screamfest, I think the same year as Human Centipede. So I want to say like 2010. And okay. it was such a different take on like reanimated corpses and stuff like that 
Um, we're kind I don't of, think I've seen this one. It's it has got some really funny stuff in it. Chris Wilde is in it as well. Yeah. And he was I got to interview oh, him. Oh, and he David was Anders. Fun. Yeah. Oh shit. So Okay, I gotta check this one out. It's I you know, I never hardly I because I do a lot of streaming lists and I hardly ever see it pop up. But if it's ever gonna pop up somewhere, it'll probably be Tubi. Because they sure. have like nine million movies over there. Yeah, they um, have everything. <laughs> but I always recommend it because it's you know it's it does some some new stuff. It's you know it's funny, um, but also very serious and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's a good one that I don't think many people really talk about. Yeah, I haven't I haven't even heard of this one. This sounds Yay. like a blast. It, it literally says it's a zombie flick meets vampire flick meets cops and robbers. <laughs> I love it. That it's sounds all great. Those <laughs> that sounds great. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to check that out. Oh, man. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to check that one out for sure. Um, so kind of going along the lines a little bit, I guess, more in the psyche. You, you've kind of touched on this slightly here on uh, the films that you you watch, but you, you typically kind of are just like, ah, those aren't my, my go-to comfort films. Um, but what would you say are your fucked that horror films, like those films that you're just like, yeah, I'm not touching that film with a 10 foot pole. And I, and I know that's kind of hard to say because it's kind of your job to touch them. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, what, what are those films that you try to either stray away from or try to just kind of be like, keep an open mind on or something like that? You know, I still have never seen Cannibal Holocaust. Really? Yeah, and I think I'm okay with it. I I know that the problem. I mean, you're not missing much. Yeah, <laughs> and I just opinion. feel like Cannibal Holocaust is not that. It's an important movie, but it's not that great. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like I know the importance of it enough yeah. to where I'm like, I could spend those two hours doing something else. Yeah, and I don't can. have to really do that. Um, so that's one, and I'm and from every from all intents and purposes, everybody I've said I've like talked to about it. They've always been like, "Oh, it's not that bad," or whatever. Just watch the version without the animal violence, which is fine. But I just I'm like, eh, that's yeah. that's not really my thing. Um, it's fair. Yeah, there's not a ton else. Like I know, um, I actually avoided for as long as I could, like the "I Spit on Your Grave" remake. The 2010 one? Yeah. Because um, I'd seen the original. Um, my my ex and I, because we, like, we were always written like horror movies, like, you know, like it was like the summer before we both went to school. And I really had this like really weird string of movies where like one week we rented uh, the, I, the Hills Have Eyes. And then the mm. next week was The Last House on the Left. And then the week after that was I Spit on Your Grave. And are all of these the 70s and 80s version? Yeah. And I was okay. just like... Okay, we need to rent something happy because, like, yeah. we've just had three weeks of like really messed up movies, and <laughs> I need less else on the left. In my opinion, that version is a little bit more brutal than the remake. In my eyes, oh, it totally is. I mean, it it feels real, which is yeah. the worst part of it. And honestly, like, I knew like because David Hess would often come to Flashback um, in Chicago, mm. and so he'd be a guest there. He was there a few times, I think at least three, and. Seemed like the nicest guy in the world. Everybody like had a great time talking to him. Nobody could say a bad word about him. I would never go and talk to him, mm. just because he's just because of that. He's so good as Krug in that movie that it yeah. just I couldn't Freaked get past out. it. That's fair. Yeah, and That's I'm a little fair. bummed about it because, like I said, everybody said he was just a really nice guy, completely the antithesis 
of, you know, that character that ended up, you know, sadly sort of defining him, Mm -hmm. you know, for pretty much the rest of his career. And, you know, but I just, I was like, oh, no, thank you. Um, And it's tough because like I I had to basically go back and rewatch it because we do the Craven Craven podcast. And I think the version that was on, because I think I watched it off of like Tubi or Voodoo or one of those. And I think it was edited. Because there were certain things that I remember from the first that time seeing that movie out. that were kind of shortened a bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think this is the edited version, but I was okay with that. Um, right. You know, so it's like stuff like that. Like I finally got over my, my – because everybody kept telling me like, oh, don't watch Martyrs. And first of all, never uh, tell somebody not to watch something. Yeah, don't do that. Because like that's even like the thing with like reviews. Because like, you know, I'll put out my review for like Conjuring 3. And I'll be like, it was fine, you know. Some it's good, conjuring. Some, just yeah. More conjuring. I'm like, if you're some, into that, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it's really bad, but you know, it's fine. And then somebody's like, "Well, I'm going to go see it anyway," and I was like, "Okay, you should." Yeah. Like, yeah, I, you totally should. Yeah, I'm, I'm only offering my opinions on things and why things didn't work for me on a personal level. It's never to inc- discourage anybody from seeing anything unless they think it's harmful. Right. You yeah. know, unless I feel like it's like something that like. It's going to trigger everybody. Harm- yeah, it's like potentially harmful to viewers or something like that, you know? Yeah, totally. So, but yeah, so I, but I had to rewatch it for, for Craven Craven. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, this is why I don't watch, this is one of, this is my least watched Craven movie. I get it because it's so Fair effective. Um, yeah, it, it really is. Like, because uh, the other one does go overboard with the more torturing acts at the end uh, in the remake, but, and this one is just, and the and what is it? I think it's seventy six, right? Is that right? Or no, seventy uh, eight? I think so. Okay, it might be seventy four actually. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's seventy four, and it's just oh, actually, it's seventy two. I just googled real 72. quick. Seventy two. Okay, we were we were uh, way off. We were you were closer, <laughs> but with with that version, it just felt so dreadful. Like you just. They seemed normal, yeah. Yet crazy, and in the remake, it was just like, no, they just seem fucking nuts. Like these people don't seem normal at all. They don't seem trustworthy at all. They they knocked on the door, and when they opened the door, you just knew like I can't trust these people. But in the seventies version, you're just like they look trustworthy. They they look like the type odd. of people you would go buy some weed from, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> like like they they look like someone who was just like kind of hiking and got lost, and they went to the last house on the left, and it's just it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, it's just I'm so intrigued by all of that. But why would you say that is kind of one of those movies you're just like oh, I don't want need to watch that too often? Is it because of the brutality? Or is it because of the the uh, the rape scenes, things like that? You know, it's it's tough because it's there's so many people who, you know, unfortunately have experienced trauma out there. And I think all of us, we process our trauma differently. And there are some people who rape revenge films work for them um, as a catharsis. And I think there's a, a real benefit to that for some people. Um, myself, it's... It's a really fine line because there are certain movies where I watch and I'm just like, okay, all right. You know, something like MFA, like, okay, this, there's, it's purposeful. 
um, in the because it ties into the the message of the movie. Yeah, and it's really well done, and it's handled with a lot of nuance. Um, And then there's just other movies where it just it feels like it's there to shock, and it's not there to really say anything. Um, You know, so it's tough because like I don't know that I would ever tell. Again, it's like one of those things like everybody knows what their barometer is for this stuff. Um, you know, so some people know, like, you know, they're looking for the hard stuff. So, you know, me telling them, you know, not to watch something like, I think it's like murder set pieces, um, Mm -hmm. which is the Sage, I think it's Sage Stallone, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think he's in that. Um, you know, so I've seen it. I will never watch it again. And that's cool. Um, I sort of ended up accidentally seeing it. So oh, that was, it was just like, oh, there's this new movie and everyone's talking about it. And then I was like, oh, OK, I now I see it, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, again, but somebody else is going to find value in it for yeah. some reason. Um, <laughs> I'm not here to judge, uh, you know, so it's it's tough because it's like, especially when I'm doing review writing, like I always want to try to think about who a movie is being made for. And sure. I try to, you know. I try to bear that in mind when I'm writing about stuff because like there's a lot of horror fans out there that sort of look down on teen horror. I love it personally myself um, because I always just think, you know, everybody needs their foot in the door. Like I don't necessarily have anything for or against the Twilight movies, but I'm glad they exist because Mm -hmm. I got a whole generation of kids into vampires. But at the time that they were coming out, you have all these guys in their thirties making fun of the movies, making fun of the fans and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, that's like, just because they're coming into this genre from a different direction doesn't make them any less valid. You know, right. it's something, you know, just be happy. They got here. Yeah. You know, who okay. cares how they got here? Open arms, open you know? arms. So, and I'm sure there's people who grew up in like the fifties and the sixties who like, See people of my generation who grew up on like eighties and nineties horror, and they're thinking, "Oh, that trash." Right. Like you know, yeah. it's it's all generational. So for me, I never, you know, again, I, I think also because Twilight came out like right when I was like going through my divorce, and I mentioned it was like the book was like a big thing, and I started reading it. And I was like, "What is this garbage?" <laughs> <laughs> I was dead inside. I was like, "What is this?" Oh, I was like, "Whatever." So I never even finished the book, and so that's why I will never judge it because I won. I didn't finish. Yeah, you didn't finish it. You know, two, obviously it was really popular for a reason. You know, and three, everybody, you know, everybody deserves some sort of entertainment that they feel like they can connect with. Because like, what else is the point of making art if you're not trying to connect with people? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's actually funny you even brought up Twilight. Because for a long time, I thought Twilight was a movie about vampires playing baseball. Because that's always I, what everybody talks about online. It's always what they talk about. And when I finally saw the first one, I was like, man, they're not even playing baseball for that long. <laughs> You're like, when are they going to start playing baseball again? Like, I was like, oh, that was so fun. That was just so much fun. And now, like, I just get my, I guess, my Twilight fix from, like, TikTok or whatever. Because um, I actually have I've never seen... After the first one, I just didn't watch any of them. After I was very disappointed that there wasn't vampire baseball throughout. But yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like that's a very anime thing for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's true because, like, you know, I'll go and watch something like Wish Upon, and I'll see like right. all these people sort of judging it, like they're like they're reviewing The Godfather or something, and I was like. 
I it's a horror movie for teens. I fucking hate that. Yeah, like, I really, really hate that. And, like, I feel bad because of those reviews like that. The kids that are, and I don't even want to call them kids, the teens that are uh, that are becoming horror fans now, they don't have those horror icons that we had. Like, they don't, yeah. they don't get to have Jason and Freddy and Chuck. I mean, they can, obviously, because they're there. But it's just, like, that It was from a different era. And they now don't get to have that. And that sucks because of reviews like this, where, what, their only main icon is, what, Jigsaw? Yeah. Like, like I mean, Jigsaw, because you can't choose Insidious because the monster always changes. You can't choose The Conjuring because the monster always changes. So it's just like... That that sucks because of these reviews of people not allowing something to be a franchise, and that, and I I get it. I like new IPs too, and I like new ideas and things like that. But franchises aren't always bad, you know. They're not. This is how we get icons. Like like it or not, Michael's Myers. Michael Myers is an icon because it's a franchise. Like it's just it's just yeah. that's how it goes. It's just it's interesting, but um. And granted, sure, the 80s definitely, they just had an influx of just, like, a wealth of knowing how to stretch a dollar. Yeah. Like, like I feel like that's so hard nowadays, but they were, well, that's not necessarily true, because we did get things like Scare Package and the Pale Door and stuff like that on, on uh, minimum budgets, but... um it's just in the 80s, they really knew how to stretch a damn dollar. <laughs> they really did. Much probably to the chagrin of some crew members, though. But That's true. But they did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Um, well, cool. Heather, one last question before I bid adieu. Um, yeah. The last question is a question that I ask every single one of my guests, and that is the question of why horror it's the question that we are literally trying to answer every single time we have an episode released but why horror like what is it about the genre that just keeps having you coming and coming and coming wow no pressure no pressure um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny i i've probably asked myself this too like you know why why do we why do we I do feel these like we things? all have like right? why do we why do we watch these things like what yeah. is what is the goal yeah. Um, like that guy's and, guts just got ripped off. Why like, am I Yay! not based? Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, if I'm in real life and somebody like cuts their fingertip, I'm like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, just like, oh shit, don't get away. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm gonna throw up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think part of it is us testing our own limits in a way, because if you're not trying to move forward in some fashion of your life, like, then you're not you're not really living, right? Like you're just yeah. sort of in stasis and like, that's boring. And so, you know, if you're not constantly consuming something new or different, you know, whether it's movies, music, whatever, like, I, I think that's part of the human experience is like that sort of constant evolution yeah. of things that we've experienced, things that we enjoy, things that we, you know, get out of life. And like, and I think horrors for a lot of us is sort of a big part of that. Um, you know, and I think also for a lot of people, it's just maybe for a lot of people where they feel like, you know, they've had to deal with a lot of things in their lives that, you know, have pushed them into some dark places. I think there's part of us that we're like, we like to watch these things and find the connection to the heroes because like, we want to be the hero and maybe in some yeah. way we feel like we are like that. We've been able to come through something and we're, we're are there on the other side. 
um, or maybe it's somebody who wants to get through something hard and they watch these things and they see like somebody survive against, you know, Ghostface or Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger. And they're like, well, gosh, you know, if they can do it, I can do this and I can get through this. And, you know, I think there's a part of all of us that just feels like, you know, I, I think we all get our fair share of lumps in life and having to sort of figure out how to navigate, you know, taking these hits and how do you get back up and how do you keep moving forward? And I think for a lot of us, we figure these things out through watching horror. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and it's funny cause like, I always joke like, Oh, you know, if I was in a, you know, horror, a real life horror movie, like I wouldn't know what to do, but you know what I would, because like, if I'm in the strangers and the strangers come into my house, you know, because they weren't about, you know, if it's somebody without guns, like, I'm going to go hide myself in the bathroom. You grab the bath back of your toilet tank because that's the hardest item in the room. And you wait and you go swinging the minute they get through your door. Yep. You know, it's like you, you there's like all these little things that you watch that sort of become part of like almost like your defense as a human yeah. being. And I think we all have it to a degree, whether it's like how we are in real life, how we are, you know, online, how we are you know, professionally, personally, whatever it is, like we all, we all have this moment where we have to protect ourselves in some fashion. Yeah. Um, I literally think about that all the time when I'm in the shower, like what would I do if someone were to come out or or come after me right now in the shower? And it's just. Grab your shampoo, squirt at their face really fast. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I I always say, take the shower, the shower head, spritz them in the face with the shower head for a little bit and then you grab like you take that moment when you're doing that to grab like the shampoo and like add it there you go <laughs> now now things are slippery and wet and you're just like oh shit. <laughs> so yeah now we got a clumsy killer <laughs> we, we, there's somebody's got to do a podcast of like basically like self-defense classes through <laughs> horror movies yes because that's like a, that's would, a whole thing right there. I would listen to that every day. Yeah. But I mean, it's true though, because like I remember being a kid and like watching somebody like Nancy like set booby traps in her right. house. Yeah. You know, and it just made you realize like you have two choices in life. You can, you can be the victim and let it overtake you. Or yeah. you, can, you can be the victim, accept it, and then find a way to move past it. But you're never dismissing what you've gone through because that's just who you are. But right. I think there's a there's a good part of you, and this is something that I've had to think about with things that I've dealt with in my life. Like, do I want that to be the definition of who I am? And do I want when somebody thinks of me, that's the first thing that they think of is like, oh, well, you had these horrible things happen. Like, no, I want to be known as somebody who went out there and like fought for something that she really wanted to do, and that she went out there and she put herself out there in ways that like are so unbelievably stupid now that I think about it. Like to go and like watch houses go into foreclosure and you ruin, I ruined my credit history for seven years. Like, and just take all these really dumb risks that I know I wouldn't take right now. Like, but I'm, but I'm glad I did because like, I just, there's just something about having to evolve and move forward. And I think that that's kind of what horror is. And that's why I'm always about like getting these new stories and things that push you forward. Like I, I honest to God, I will probably never stop talking about like something like Possessor. Mm. Because to me, that is like one of the best examples of 2020 yeah. horror that was really yeah. pushing the genre forward. And, you know, so that's why I'm like, 
you know, there's going to be, there's going to come a day where I'm going to get to sit back and watch stuff as a fan again and purely as a fan. And that excites me because you know what? I know we, we're going to still have good stuff coming. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but like, I think we all have a little bit of a different reason as to what connects us to this genre. But I think ultimately, you know, in the end, it's, I don't know. I think it's just like the human condition. Like, I think we just want to know that regardless of how bad it ever gets, like we're going to come through this one way or another. Yeah. That's awesome. I honestly, like I, I love asking this question because everyone's answer is always so different. No one has ever had the same answer. And uh, you said it beautifully. You know, it, it, this is this is a genre that is constantly evolving and constantly testing its own limits. And it's we're still in the fortunate position with with this genre where we can take risk yeah. and make something off the wall, like and and just use murder set pieces again, like something like murder set pieces. Like you know, there's no other genre that's going to allow that except for ours. And um, it's. Interesting. You're not getting. You're not going to ever get the Human Centipede, the move, the musical. You know, you're not. No, and if you do, it's from a horror fan. Like exactly. <laughs> you know, Tom and, Six and, is listening to this right now, and he's taking <laughs> notes, and he's like, "Yes, that is what we needed. We needed musical numbers during the Human Centipede." <laughs> I mean, it would have been perfect in the in the third sequence for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the Joe House scene would have been great for all of that. <laughs> uh, but it's it, it's interesting because, like you, you know, horror fans. Um, and I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Johnny Birch told, and when I was talking to Johnny, like he, uh, he, he, we were talking about this, this, uh, this thing. And, um, when we were talking about it, he was just like, you know, it, it's, it's good when horror fans make horror because horror fans understand the genre. Like, you know, you're not coming at a position where you don't understand the genre, the genre, which, um, you know, you see it from a perspective of like, and I use Get Out for a perfect example on Us and things like that, because Jordan Peele, with both of those films, you can 100% tell, oh shit, he's a major horror fan. Like, he actually really likes horror. And uh, you then kind of move on to a few other people and things like that who've kind of come from different backgrounds and made their way into horror or whatever. And I find that awesome. Because you're getting a new take. You're getting something that you don't expect. And even how you brought up Possessor and, and from uh, Brandon Cronenberg, like we kind of could expect like what's probably is going to happen from Brandon Cronenberg and uh, being the son of David Cronenberg. Like we, we can kind of assume like, like, oh, this movie's going to be fucked up kind of thing. But at the same time, <clears throat> you know that excuse me, you know that this movie is also going to be something that's going to be artful and, and meaningful as well and have some type of message. Um, and you kind of hear like new directors getting out on the scene and fucking hit the ground running like yeah. Ari Aster. And like, you're just, and, and uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his friend's name. Oh my God. I don't know why I'm blanking out so hard on his name, right? Robert Eggerts. Like, you, oh, you know, yes. you, you, you see these, these new guys who are coming in and, and just like fucking sweeping the floor with the witch or hereditary. And 
these are folks that genuinely care about their craft and not to say that um, other directors and, and writers don't, but they genuinely understand what they want people to kind of see how their mind works. Yeah. And that is fucking cool. And people should be excited about that kind of stuff. You don't have to like it, sure, but they are opening the doors to kind of say, like, this is what's in my head. Show me what's in yours. Like, and that's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really, really cool. And I'm a huge fan of, um, I actually interviewed him on the show uh, uh, a bit ago, um, Anthony Scott Burns. Um, and I was going to mention Come True because that was what I was kind of thinking about when you were talking about that. Yeah, Come True is one of my favorite movies of all time. And, you know, I, I see his work and I see, like, how much he cared. And that's why, like, I love that movie so much because you could tell so much love and time and effort went into Come True. And Anthony and his tiny, tiny crew of, like, six people worked on this movie. And that's insane to me like i just gosh when he told me that i was like wow that that blows my mind that that's how many people were behind the scenes like that blows my mind yeah that uh, is kind of crazy that's nuts that's nuts like you you made a full-length feature with, with like six people that's insane <laughs> um but you know i i think of come true but then i i think of mike flanagan like i think mike flanagan is one of the most progressive directors out right now and I still feel like people aren't really grasping that for some reason to me and I know a lot of fans are out there who love Mike Flanagan and his work but it's just like I see what he does and I see that like he literally each film or each show that he does he learns something new from his previous mistake like perfect example Haunting of Hill House versus Haunting of Bly Manor. Haunting of Hill House was only Mike Flanagan as the director of every single episode. That wore him out. It just completely, like, and you could feel that. You could feel that tension in how some of those episodes kind of ran, especially episode six, um, with the kind of that one-shot camera. Um, but then he made with Bly Manor, he's like, fuck that, I'm directing one episode, and I'm yeah. getting a fr my friends to direct the others. <laughs> so, like... I love that. I love that, you know, he he takes that opportunity to kind of sit himself down and just be like, okay, what did I learn? What what did I make a mistake on and what do I want to what do I want to grow from that? And I think that's cool. I think that's really really cool and horror is just such a such a I guess a, a emphasis on feelings and emotion and you know, I, I still can't genuinely answer my own question of why horror. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a genre that gets us. Like, <laughs> like it's a genre that was made for us. Like, you know, we, I'm sure you could probably, you know, think the same way of like feeling a bit outcasted by your love of horror and, and love of genre. And it's just, it's just an interesting place to be, especially now that we kind of have our people and our circle. But it's it's such a beautiful genre that understands us as humans. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to, to feel that. And I'm excited to see what everybody else makes. I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, what comes next. And I'm excited for, for things like Scream to come back in the play and stuff like that um, from Ed Open and, and um, 
for Matt Bettinelli open and also Tyler Gillett and, um, and Chad. Um, but I'm, I'm just intrigued to see how all of this is just gonna, you know, continue. I just, I I really just want to see it continue and I want to see it kind of just constantly grow and just see where it can go. Cause Horror's not going anywhere. That's that's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think the box office has been uh, the prime example of that. And it's yeah. interesting because you mentioned also like you know who are the horror icons of today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because like I think about it like I think one that sort of carried over that's still viable now is Chucky. But two, I think yeah. it's gonna be really interesting to see in a few months oh, what yeah. happens with Candyman. Yeah, because that. I mean, that potentially could be our new introduction to Candyman and a whole new generation, like, just ends up falling in love. And, like, you are giving me chills right now. I mean, I'm excited because, like, I grew up, you know, in the this, this suburb of Chicago. And, yeah. oh, shit. Me, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, Karini Green in general always was like this, like, dark cloud that sort of hung over the West Side. Yeah. And because, like, years and years ago, like, when I, I was out there working, um, we always did this thing at my work where like we um, took donations and we um, would sponsor different kids and their families through like the Letters to Santa's program, uh, Letters to Santa uh, through the postal service. And like some years we would just drop stuff off at school and there was like a few years where I would actually go to people's houses and bring them stuff because we'd also collect food and stuff like that. So they'd have meals and stuff, you know, for the holidays and yeah. try to bring a little normalcy, you know, for some families who maybe just don't get that at the holidays. Cause I've had, if like yeah. I went through a few holidays where like, we didn't have anything. So like, yeah. you know, and it's a bummer. Like that's like the one time for kids that should be happy, you know, regardless. And right. like, I remember one of the years I had to go delivering Cabrini green and mm-hmm. you know, I am a white lady, very square looking white lady. Like they just let me loose from a library going to Cabrini <laughs> green with like boxes, like a car full of stuff. And like everybody kind of just stared at me, but it was like, it was heartbreaking because this woman was living in this house and like the, her pipes had, had been so bad for so long that all of the, like, and again, these are like these old houses that had been there for a long time. And like the wood was rotted and soft. And so she would be like, step here, step here, step here. And like, and she's raising three kids in this and stuff like that. And It was just like that day and like just I stayed and talked to her for a while because a lot of times people just want to talk, you know, they don't get a chance. And, you know, I was probably there for about like half an hour, 45 minutes. I had to do a few other deliveries, you know, but it was just like just her trying to make the best of it. And I'm like, I think people forget the humanity that supposedly divides us. Like everybody's just out there, you know, especially as parents, like trying to do the best that they can for their kids, you know, just trying to live, trying to get through this horrible world. And that to me was really eye-opening. Um, and I also worked with like a lot of different West Side uh, organizations because I used to work with like a PR firm who did like nonprofit stuff. And just having so many things change in my own head about like how we make things better in this world, it was a really eye-opening experience. So for me, like I remember seeing Candyman in high school. And then seeing Candyman after like all of these experiences, it was like a 180 for me where like it just, it changed so much of how I saw that movie. Cause for me as a kid, it was just scary for a lot of reasons. Cause I was a stupid white kid who grew up in the suburbs. I grew up in a shitty suburb living in a trailer park, but like still it was the suburbs. 
Sure. And, you know, so it had a different, uh, uh, like, sort of it hit me much differently after having those experiences and realizing the humanity of what is really there. Like, because I think people just, like, just stigmatize an area. They don't really consider the actual human factor in those in those situations. Yeah. But I just think that there's something really fascinating about the Candyman movies. And I'm really, really hoping, because I, I'm... My big concern is after all of this, like, do people care about the movies anymore? Right. You know, because we've been waiting so long. Yeah, I've been trying to do my best to advocate as much as I possibly could. And, and of, of of most of these movies, like I, I posted something recently about Antlers again, just to like let people know, like, yo, keep this shit still on your radar. Like, you know, this is, I haven't seen it, but like, you know, keep it on your radar. Like these are these are movies that people worked really hard for and they got fucked over in a pandemic when they yeah. couldn't show us. So like keep these movies on your radar because I mean, I I know like things like the green Knight is like really exciting people right now. And, um, but the green Knight showed their teaser trailer at a really good time. So it's just, it's stuff like that where, you know, I just don't want these movies to get the shit into the stick and the, the yeah. really popular titles such as like a quiet place part two and stuff like that. And the conjuring and all that stuff, um, get a, bigger light shined on them than uh these smaller ones that are and that's not even necessarily say like antlers isn't really technically a small movie like Guillermo del Toro's behind it but um at the same time it's just I don't hear anyone talking about it and every time I mention it be like I I have people in my uh, replies saying that like oh shit I forgot about this one like yeah I don't want you to like that's the thing I don't want you to forget about this I don't want you to forget about David Bruckner's The Night House I don't want you to forget about Antlers I don't want you to forget about uh, even The Green Knight like I don't want you to forget about that stuff I want I want this stuff to be on, on their radar and even Halloween Kills like no one's talking about that and like we're only like less than four months away from Halloween Kills, so it's just I know, <laughs> which like, blows my mind because shit. I feel like I've been waiting for it for so long, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. it's almost here. Right, oh. it's right around the corner, and and it's funny because my wife is a really big fan of uh, the Beverly Hill Housewives. <laughs> gotcha. So she likes. So she's probably uh, excited about Kyle. She she didn't know Kyle was in the movie um, at first until I told her. I was like, "Yeah, Kyle's totally in this movie, and um, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting." I'm very curious to see her in that film, so it's gonna be fun. <laughs> but Heather, awesome. thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, it, this has been an absolute blast talking with you. Where can people find you on the internet, and where can people read your work? Oh, nobody's going to want to find me after all this rambling. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm basically just mostly on Twitter. Um, so you can find me over there at the horror chick. Uh, and of course I'm over at daily dead, uh, doing all sorts of stuff there, movie reviews and news and interviews. Well, actually, no, I don't really do news. That's actually Derek, uh, who does a great job at that. So it's mostly just interviews and reviews. And then sometimes I pop up over at Fangoria here and there. Um, which is pretty cool and something I, eight-year-old me would never believe I could actually say. Um, That is pretty cool. Yeah. And then I've got uh, a new book series coming out this summer, which is also something I still can't believe is actually finally happening after so many little speed bumps along the way. 
Um, but you can awesome. find out more about that. It's called Monsters. Wow, I'm like, what's the name of my book? Um, I don't even know. No, it's uh, Monsters Makeup and Effects. And it can be found over at aminkpublishing.com. And you can pre-order it now. And I also have a Twitter account for that, uh, which is MMEFXbook. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. Are you, you are- kidding? Thank you so much for having me. I'm, <laughs> I'm completely honored. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, honestly, this was this was a lot of fun. And, and like I said, a bit of a dream come true for me personally. And uh, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, and you are welcome back anytime. You know, if you if you want to come back anytime, just let me know if you're in the Bay Area. Yes, well, we will be more than happy we'll to get you on the We'll go haunt the Winchester together. Let's do it. I'm <laughs> down. Let's do it. Excellent. <laughs> But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was your host, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Um, our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this show to who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over on patreon.com slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a K. By pledge on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, no, no big deal. Don't worry about it. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcasts services around the world and remember everybody don't forget your nightlight <laughs>